Hey guys, it's Lauren Murray again. Um, I'm an environmental science student here at OSU, and today I'm going to be talking about indoor vertical farming. We just heard from Jade, who talked about farm automation, and now we're going to hear about how some of those things are put into practice. According to the University of Florida Extension, population is increasing and more than 50% of people live in urban areas. There's projected to be 9 to 10 billion people by 2050. Um, according to the Stanford Social Innovation Review, ag uses 70% of global water consumption and global food prices have increased about 2.6% every year for the past two decades. So obviously we need something to max food production with smaller amounts of using smaller amounts of area as well as smaller amounts of inputs including like fertilizers water and without having adverse effects on the environment so vertical farming appeals to this because it uses water and nutrients more efficiently and you can build vertically instead compared with crops growing in one layer to minimize competition for sunlight Vertical farming is um, plant setups that are stacked on top of each other, normally in a warehouse, old warehouse, old buildings, or shipping containers. These allow, allow farmers to grow plants indoors without the influences of soil, sunlight, rain, and wind. Um, these factors specifically weather and seasons change conventionally farming change conventional farming amount, their yields, and their quantities. So if we can take that factor away, not only can we grow all year long, but we don't have to worry about the wind, the weather, the climate, and how that's changing. These, um, these systems can be placed near the customers, reducing transportation. They also minimize risk of fertilizers leaking into groundwater or losing the fertilizers or nutrients to air and soil. These are super highly controlled environments, so there are a lot of environmental centers They are collecting mass amounts of data and you are able to adjust the system to what kind of plant you're growing. So there are LED lights that have pre precise control of the lighting spectrum, automated air and humidity, you can track nutrients, um, so how much is being taken up by each of the plants and you can track CO2 in the air. You, there's just so much that you can monitor in the system. And so it's also good for a lot of research purposes. It's gaining popularity in the US and especially Asian countries that are land limited or their land quality is just not the best for growing crops. Um, one system, Aeroform, is in an old steel factory and it is 75 times more productive than a farm of the same size. It con consumes 95% less, wa less water than traditional farming. This uses soilless, a soilless medium and no GMOs or pesticides. So the types of systems, so they can be building based or put into a shipping container. The most common system used is hydroponics which doesn't use any soil, the roots are in a water nutrient solution that is refilled throughout the day. In aeroponics, which were created by NASA, the roots are suspended in air and misted with a nutrient water solution. This doesn't use soil, it uses less water, and is the most efficient regarding water and fertilizer use. Studies have also shown that these plants take up more nutrients and therefore are more nutritious. Aquaponics can 
Aquaponics combines aquaculture or raising fish in tanks or ponds with hydroponics. So the fish produce high nutrient waste that the plants use and then the plants filter the fish waste. Water from the fish tank is also high in ammonia, which gets converted by bacteria to nitrates to nitrites to nitrates to um, solids, which can be used as biofertilizers for the plants. These systems have to be carefully monitored for the first month, then pH and ammonium levels are monitored weekly. So the pros of this ki these kind of systems are that you can grow year-round and you can grow them basically anywhere. So you could put these in the South Pole or a desert and they won't be affected by the outside world and outside conditions. And again with that, you're in a very controlled climate. So you can change so much about your plants and you can make sure that they are getting all the nutrients they need as well as just growing as efficiently as possible. They use little to no chemicals and they use a lot less water and fertilizer. And you don't have to worry about that water, the fertilizer running off in the water or soil and losing it that way. So there's less pollution from the water. There's less pollution from transportation because these systems can be put up in urban areas and therefore reduce the travel from, from the farm to the consumer. And they also don't use large farm machines. So there's a lot of less pollution that way. These create jobs and use abandoned buildings or old shipping containers. So they're great for areas that are food deserts, which are areas in urban areas where the only food they can get is like gas station quality. So it gives them an option for fresh produce. The cons of this is that it's really hard to scale and there are big startup costs. It's suitable for leaf vegetables, herbs, and pharmaceutical plants, but not staples like corn, soybeans, rice, or fruits or veggies that take up a lot of space and have a lot of plant mass that's not the fruit or vegetable. These systems also need a skilled workforce that is not yet developed, and they have a high energy use and a high maintenance cost. They also have to have cross-pollinization manuals, um, and this uses a lot of manpower and money. So, so far this is a very expensive solution, but with technology increasing, it could become a really good way to grow produce and help, help feed the world. Um, so I'm really excited personally to see how this grows in my lifetime. Thank you for coming along with me and I hope you enjoyed it. Um, next, Keegan is going to be talking about the livestock tech. Thank you. Bye.